And now. And now. It's time for another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. We talk hard-hitting sports and bone-crunching metal. Sports and Metal. Because sports and metal go better together. Now here's your host, Jason Voorhees. And Aaron Savage. Oh, yeah! Hey, I'm Kevin. Hey, I'm Johnny Yee. Tune into our radio show, Philly Rock Live. We play the classic hard rock and metal from the 70s and 80s. We grew up on. We play the new music those same bands are making today. And we play new music from around the world. Not to mention the great bands from our own local scene. You will not hear a mix of music like this anywhere else. If it kicks ass, we, we play, play it. Philly Rock Live. Thursday, 7 to 9 p.m. Philly time. On phillyrockradio.com. Listen online with your mobile device or even your smart speaker. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast, the season finale for 2021 of Sports and Metal. First and foremost, hello, Jason. Always good to see you. My partner in crime, Mr. Jason Voorhees, and a special thanks to our sponsor, La Terrain Watches. You're going to go to their website, la-t-o-u-r-a-i-n-e.com. You're going to save 10% at checkout using our promo code SNM. That's SNM as in the letters SNM for sports and metal. Make sure to check out their beautifully handcrafted watches. It's Christmas time, guys. It's not too late to get an order in for your loved one or for yourself. These watches are beyond reproach. Beautiful watches. Anyway, brother, how are you, Jay? What is going on, my dude? Not much. I'm good, man. Uh, Final show of the year. Like, I am psyched, man. I mean, I'm not psyched because I don't want it to end. But then again, 2022 is going to be our year. So it's going to be even better. That's it, man. That's it. Yeah. For that, we're we're super stoked and excited. Uh, I'm super stoked and excited about our guests uh, that we have on today. Uh, One of them actually commenting right now. Um, Yeah, dude, I'm I'm pumped. I'm pumped to be here. little frustrated with some of the news going on right now, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But well, Before we get to the negative news, first and foremost, let's congratulate New York City Football Club for willing, winning the MLS championship in Major League Soccer. I, we're, Jay and I aren't huge soccer guys, but we'd be remiss if we didn't congratulate them. And congrats to Steph Curry uh, for setting the all-time NBA three-point record. He's the all-time leader in three-point shots, so congrats to Steph Curry. Now let's get to some of the negative, entertaining stuff, Jay. <laughs> Urban Meyer, dude, is this the worst coaching hire in the history of the NFL? Dude, I, I mean, I got to be honest with you. I, I think it is. I, I mean, I there's been that. there's been a couple bad ones. I mean, Bobby Petrino comes to mind, and uh, obviously Rich Kotite, <laughs> former Eagles coach, uh, is pretty much pretty up there. But this guy, Urban Meyer, I mean, I got to be honest, I can't say I'm surprised. I mean, I I don't think you are. I mean, I'm not surprised that he didn't succeed. But, I I mean, how could you not be surprised with the extent of the ineptitude and and the controversy? I mean, it's just like – it's unfathomable. It's unheard of. I mean, in any other industry, I mean, some of the stuff would cross the line of there would be lawsuits. You know the the most recent story. Um, Josh Lambeau, their, their kicker, a pro, an all pro kicker, one of the most successful kickers in the last ten years in the NFL, 
missed a couple of kicks in the preseason. He said he was stretching before the last preseason game, and Urban Meyer kicked him in the leg and said, don't miss any more fucking kicks. Dude, in, in 2021, in the Me Too era and everything else, that, constitute, that constitutes that as an assault. I mean, I, I mean, that's, I mean just, that's just icing on the cake in addition to all the other nonsense. You know, he didn't fly back with the team after a loss early in the season and against the Bengals, stayed in Ohio at his bar. Some girl was dancing on his lap, got caught on video. I mean, is it worse that the girl got caught dancing on his lap? Because we all know these guys do all kinds of stuff, you know, whatever. They're famous people. I'm not going to judge anybody. But the fact that that happened after he chose not to fly back with his team after a loss, what coach does that? I mean, the guy is obviously – to me, it's more about – it's more than just the football aspect of it. He's obviously a bad person. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Kick somebody, yeah, to kick somebody, like you said, if that was a normal job, honest to God, we could be facing like assault charges, like you said. Yeah. I, I brought it up on a show the other day, and it was like, I, I don't understand. Like, and, and you know, I, I heard someone say, oh, well, He'll get a job in college, but you know what? I'm not so sure about that now. At because this point, I am not either, dude. It, because if if you're a college, any college, look at the like the optics of that. If you brought in a coach like that, would you? First of all, being a parent, you have two, yo, three young kids. Would you want any of your kids around a guy like that running their yo their sports program? I, I think the answer is absolutely hell no. I dude, mean, dude, absolutely not. And he's been a great college coach. Don't get me wrong, but that's part of the problem. In college, you're dealing with young kids. He comes to the NFL and he's talking to adults like they're kids. And he's talking to his assistant coaches with complete disrespect. Another recent story that came out the past week is that in, in meetings, he was questioning his assistant coach's track record, basically saying, I've won championships. What the fuck have you ever done? We and called him front of the players. losers. Yeah, calling them losers. And apparently, like, Marvin Jones left the facility the way he was dogging on the receivers so much. I asked the question, is is Nick's, uh, is Urban Meyer the worst coaching hire of all time? You may have heard me chime in Nick Saban as a possibility. Uh, our own Richard Dean Wilson from Loungefly, which will lead to our special guests, um, he commented here, I'd offer Nick Saban in Miami. I, I had thrown that out there. Dude quit and left notes in his players' lockers, didn't even face them. Nick Saban's definitely on the list. And I said that, and he was awful. But Nick Saban didn't get to this level. I mean, the bottom line is Nick Saban's like maybe the greatest or probably the greatest college coach of all time. He went to the NFL in Miami, had a bad year, but then he kind of just quit. He quit, like Richard said, didn't leave notes, whatever, just left. He didn't have enough time to really fail and see what he would have done had he kept with the program. He screwed the Dolphins. He traded Wes Welker to the Patriots. His buddy Bill Belichick was up there. So he screwed him royally. But it wasn't the same as, like, Urban Meyer just completely being inept and, you know, incompetent. It, that's the difference. I've, I've never seen this level of incompetence, you know. Inept and incompetence as a coach. Uh, but yeah. then, you know, I, I would call it irreprehensible as a, as a person. I mean, the guy is – like I said, I honestly – I knew I, I don't want to play Monday morning quarterback, but I knew he was not going to succeed from day one. And I was saying I thought it was stupid for for a team to to offer him you know a job. And, and you hit you hit the nail on the head. I think the problem with the majority of these college coaches that come in here, let's not forget, in college, they get paid like ten million dollars a year. 
But when you come to the NFL, now you got players making way more money than you. And as you said, they're adults. Do you think they're going to respect you? No, you have to earn that respect. And if you're treating them like you're the boss, like instead of treating them as people, then you're never going to win. You nailed it, so. dude. You nailed it. You're, these college In college, some of these guys have such a reputation, they're making an exorbitant amount of money to coach kids. Now, they're much lower on the totem pole as far as what they're they're getting paid. And, exactly. and you know, that, I, I don't know what that says as far as, like, athletes being overpaid, but neither here nor there. Yes, you're dealing with guys that you need to earn their respect. You know, you can, and exactly. especially when you have no track record in the NFL. This isn't like hiring Bill Cowher. You know who's proven to be a successful Super Bowl winning coach? Urban Meyer has. Thank you. We got Tyro, Tyrone Brown checking in here. The show is pretty awesome. Thank you. But we got Urban Meyer, who's done nothing in the NFL. So when he's asking his coaches, "What have you done? You're losers." You know, if, if any of them have coached in the NFL, I'd have to look if they have. I, I know. I know Bernie Parmalee is uh, their running backs coach. Um, but neither here, neither here nor there. A lot of these guys have had NFL success. So Urban Meyer's had none. My rebuttal to be would. My rebuttal to him would be, what success have you had in the NFL? None. None. You're yeah. And now you're 2-10, and 10 and you've embarrassed yourself, and you've destroyed your entire legacy. Pretty you know? much. I mean, I, I mean, I like I said, I don't see him getting another job as as a coach, but he'll get, I'll guarantee you he'll have a job. Checking in here. Come here, uh, you know, maybe either as a sportscaster or he'll go on his next book tour and, you know, He'll write a book about how he how he almost saved the NFL or something, you know, something stupid like that. So, yep, yep. Anyway, let's move anyway. on. We don't want to keep our guests waiting too long. NFL COVID outbreak, and it's not just the NFL; it's the NBA, uh, it's the NHL. Um, you know, we talked about the Montreal Canadiens are playing in front of no fans right now, um, and I, I read in January they're planning on having fifty percent capacity. So this is like going backwards. Uh, I know the Browns. Um, Raiders game for tomorrow got rescheduled to Tuesday, and I believe the Seahawks Rams game has gotten rescheduled to Thursday. So here we go again, Jay. I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, for words, <laughs> because as an Eagles fan, I'm super, super pissed off about the situation. Like, honestly, you know, you had Washington. Reports are that the player that first tested positive is unvaccinated. Oh, yeah. Has the Washington-Philly so, game been rescheduled? Yes. That's, the Eagles were rescheduled. I, yes. I, I didn't realize that. Okay. Okay. Yep. That, yeah, that's why I'm mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, NFL came out in the beginning of the year when they, they set these guidelines, and one of the main things that they stipulated was if – Games had to be moved due to players being unvaccinated that it could result in a forfeit. Well, here we are. Now, all of a sudden, they're kind of changing the, 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 the lingo. Well, I mean, they didn't mess with the rule book, but they're basically – it seems to me like there's two rules for two different things, and I don't think that's fair. I think the NFL realistically needs to get its head out of its ass. Like, there's no consistency – in anything that the NFL does surrounding anything with when it comes to COVID, it's not just the NFL. It's a lot of the leagues, but NFL has been absolutely atrocious. I mean, in everything this year, whether it's been, you know, uh, officiating <laughs> to 
you know, the games that they've actually set to now to the COVID stuff. So I, I don't know. I, as an Eagles fan, I'm absolutely pissed off and frustrated. I, I don't know where you stand on this. Yeah. I, obviously, I just don't know what you're having skin in the game. I, I can't say forfeit. I can't see how, how it would be fair to forfeit games unless teams were violating protocol. So I don't know. I, I mean, it just sucks. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> so for seven, we got Richard Dean Wilson checking in again. For 7 p.m. Tuesday, Flyers home game at same time. Sports complex is going to be a mess. Yes, it is. And so the saga continues. Absolutely. Anyway, Jay, why don't no. we jump ahead so we don't keep our guest waiting too long? Um, if that's okay with you. Um, please welcome to the show. This man is a very good friend of the show, as is Richard, who's been commenting. They, they're in the same band, Loungefly, the premier Stone Temple Pilots tribute band. Uh, they're based in New Jersey. Um, and they have an upcoming show at the Landis Theater in Vineland, New Jersey, on January 7th, of which Jason and I will be there. Please welcome to the show, lead vocalist of Loungefly, Mr. Brian Rosner. What's up, guys? What's up, Brian? How are you? Good, man. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. Welcome to the show. We're excited to have you. Thanks, man. I'm glad to be back. Yeah. I hope we didn't keep you waiting too long back there. No, that's <laughs> cool. I'll just cool. your tone. Anyway, so you got this upcoming show January 7th, and it's not just you guys. It's, the, it's a 90s rock fest, and your drummer, Ira, you know, cre credit to him. It's It's been a labor of love. He organized this event. Yeah. We are super pumped for it. It's 90s Rock Fest. 90s Rock Fest is the Foo Fighters tribute. Um, and yeah, that's the, the, that's the tribute, the Leadbetters. Why yeah, don't you tell Leadbetters. us a little bit more about the show? People are getting a great deal here, man. It's 25 bucks a ticket. January 7th, Landis Theater in Vineland, New Jersey. And if you haven't been to that theater, I know you guys were there. That theater is top notch. Fantastic place. Amazing sound. Amazing Visuals, everything, the way they treat you. And you're getting all three bands for 25 bucks. Yep, the Best of Foo, which is the Foo Fighters tribute, yep, and the fantastic. Leadbetters, which is Both the Pearl Jam tribute, and a fourth lounge fly. Top-notch. Top-notch bands. Yep. I mean, you could check out their videos on YouTube. If you haven't seen Loungefly, you're missing out. I mean, this uh, is an absolute replica of the best years of Stone Temple Pilots. And, Brian, you are the perfect Scott Weiland. Perfect. Thanks, man. In That's addition nice. to being the perfect Brian Rosner. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, Aaron couldn't have said it any better. I mean, you guys are absolutely amazing. I fell in love the first time I saw your YouTube video about a year back. Thanks. And uh, I've been a huge fan ever since. Obviously, uh, we've become good friends with you guys. And, you oh, know, yeah. you uh, it, it never gets old, uh, you know, have, having conversations with you and, you know, having you on the show. Because, like I said, you guys are, you know, just the fact that, you know, speaking of us being at the Landis at your previous show there, that was one of not not only one of the best tribute shows that I've ever been at. It may have been one of the best concerts experiences, not only because I went with Aaron, who's my best friend. And uh, you obviously take, it, you take it too far, man. But, but yeah. it was absolutely amazing. Like and then uh, you guys. Yeah, and then and then on top of that, you guys, you know, you gave us a shout out, and you don't know how much that means to a fan, and especially considering oh. I had just become friends with you. Like, I it's not like I had known you for years. Like, and to give yeah. us that shout out at the show, 
that meant a lot, man. And uh, so it's my pleasure. You know, for us, for us, anybody that supports the music community in the area, the other bands, uh, the the people like yourselves, and the anyone else who's willing to help promote it and get it out there, it's it's such a it's such a pleasure for us to work with you, really. Uh, we appreciate that. <laughs> But before we keep going with this, I don't I don't want to waste too much time so we have time to get answers on the show. Right. Brian, I know you have a trivia question for the audience, and the winner is going to get free tickets to the show, 90s Rock Fest featuring Loungefly, Best of Few, and the Lead Best of Foo and the Leadbetters, January 7th at the aforementioned Landis Theater. So why don't we get to that trivia question? You're missing the shirts. They get one shirt from each band. Oh, and they get a shirt from each band. My bad. Yeah. See, it's even better than I thought. Right. So you're going to get free tickets and a shirt from each band. Brian, right. what, is, what is the trivia question? Just name three Stone Temple Pilot songs that don't have the uh, song title in the lyrics. And then have okay. to go to they have Aaron, they have to go to Facebook to post, right? Yes. Okay. Or you post your you. comments on Facebook. Or you can okay. post them during the live yeah. and you could post them after the show has ended. Right. And you to come up to, hold on, Jay. The first one to come up with the correct answer will win. What was that, Jay? Yeah. I'm sorry. But they can post to YouTube as well, not just Facebook. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you could post on YouTube as well. You could post to YouTube or Facebook. Um, you could post during the live, or you could post once the show has ended. Again, the first one to come up with the correct answer wins. So the question, in case you missed it, what three you have to name three Stone Temple Pilot songs that don't include the title of the song in the lyrics. Yep. Okay, three Stone Temple Pilot songs that don't include the title of the song in the lyrics. First one to come up with the answer, you're going to get free tickets to the 90s Rock Fest January 7th at the Landis Theater featuring Best of Foo, The Leadbetters, and Loungefly. Right. And you're going to get a T-shirt from each band. And I see the LandisTheater.com just popped up on the screen. That's a good yes. way to get tickets for this show. Yes, I was there's, just going to get to that. If you available. don't win the tickets, visit TheLandisTheater.com. Oh, there, there's my finger. There it is. TheLandisTheater.com. Get your tickets. They're $25 a piece, and they're well worth it. I mean, anywhere you sit in the venue, you're going to have great seats. It's, it's a wonderful venue to see a show. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, Brian, why don't you tell us a little bit about what the band's been doing? What's going on? The band has been practicing every two weeks, which, which doesn't even feel like enough. Uh, we love getting together so much. And we just, we, we got our set list ready for the show and we make sure we practice every other week. Um, and just getting ready, we added a new song to this show. Um, that's about it, man. We're going in there, guns blazing. This is gonna be a huge party. It's gonna be really so, fun. So you have a surprise song on the set list? Yeah, it's one, it's a song, I'll give you, it's, it's from their album number four. It's not one we performed at the last show. And, okay. and it's always fun for us to do a new song, and but we're we're happy to play them all. Can't wait! It's going to be even better than last time. Awesome. Well, I, I mean, I I got to be honest. Like I saw you guys about maybe a month and a half ago uh, in Delco, and you guys were amazing there. Obviously, oh, you know it wasn't a front to back uh, two album show, but you know. It, obviously you played some of the deep cuts and, and, and that's what I love about stone temple pilots. Cause they got a lot of uh, deep cuts and, you know, you guys kind of honor that uh, catalog, all their catalogs, you know, right. you know, as far as like 
from 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 beginning to end. Um, right. We got good preparation. Yeah, I, I definitely. I mean, because like I said, I think part part of what I see about what you guys that set you apart from a lot of other bands. I mean, let's face it, this area does have a ton of great talent as far as tribute bands. Like, absolutely, I think you know you, you got obviously the Land of Oz, like probably the best Aussie oh, tribute yeah. band in America. You oh, got yeah. you guys, yeah. Best Stone Temple Pilots uh, tribute band in America, like. You know, there's a great, there's great White Snake tribute band around here. There's that, right. yo, uh, that Def Leppard. Like, there's so many great tribute bands in this area. But one thing I, I will say about you guys is that you guys always work hard at your craft and you're always trying to get better. And that's that's the mark of what makes, sets a great band apart from a good band, is that work right. ethic. And you guys definitely have that, like, Obviously, last time you joined this, you joined this from your from your uh, your studio. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a it's it's all about bringing energy, and the more prepared you are, and the more relaxed you are. I mean, we're going to bring it this time. I, I I feel like we've improved a lot, and we you're right. We constantly work on it. We love it. We love this band. We love STP. It's it's a pleasure. It's it's just a it's a fantastic thing. And trust me, if you come to this show, you're going to hear ridiculous shit, uh, a ridiculous set, tons of energy. Yep, there's Ira. You got to get back. Ira is the drummer of Loungefly. He's commenting. He just wanted to remind you guys, 90s Rock Fest with tributes to Foo Fighters, Pearl Jam, and STP. Not going to want to miss it. Brian, yeah. I want to ask you a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, do do you what, do you like the Scott Weiland solo stuff after he left uh, Stone Temple Pilots? And what is your thoughts on Velvet Revolver? Now I know I had the, we've had the whole band on the show in the past. Yeah. I know you're a big Guns N' Roses guy. You're just like me. I mean, to you yeah. and I, we talked about it. Appetite's the Bible. So what did I you think of Velvet Revolver with Scott playing with those guys? I liked it. You know, I, I can't say there's anything that he did that I didn't really like. I mean, I, I'm just such a huge fan of his and uh, and everything he did. Um, but, you know, I don't know how you couldn't like it. What did you think? I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Contraband is actually one of my all-time favorite albums. All right. Dude, I love that record. I yeah. actually – Contraband, to me, had the same – what's the word I'm looking for? It had the same spirit of appetite to me. Right. It really did. It was like it was like a revitalized a revitalized Scott Weiland because he had gone through all the shit with his drug addiction. He had finally gotten clean. You know, right. um his wife was really good friends with um Susan Holmes McKagan, Duff's wife. And so that's how Duff and Scott kind of hooked up. And and you know, the, I don't know if you you know Duff's story. Duff was such a drunk, his pancreas exploded. He had third degree burns Ooh. internally. And the doctor said, yeah. if you have one more drink, you're gonna die. And he that if you look at Duff McKagan now, the guy's like 57 years old and he's ripped. You know, he right. can do triathlons and stuff. I mean, he rides 25 miles on his bike, runs marathon, this and that. So, I mean, he was a real, he's a real, really, to me, I mean, he's a real role model. And, and, I, and him and Scott really hit it off. And just like the whole vibe of that, like they helping each other out. And you, you watch the uh, Fall to Pieces video and how they right. reenacted Scott's addiction. And you see Duff pick him up in the bathroom. It just like there was so much like the way appetite was with like as far as like the lyrics meaning so much to their real lives. Like Mr. Brownstone, yeah, they were junkies. 
You know, welcome right. to the jungle. Yeah, Axel was a redneck. And he showed up in L.A. and got off the bus. And the guy said, you know where you are? You in the jungle. And he put it to music. Contraband had that same spirit to me. So I, I love it, man. I love it. I love that stuff. Slither's on that one, right? Slither's on yeah. that one, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a good yep, song. Yep. Yeah, absolutely, man. But I mean, I love I love everything Scott did. I mean, it's such a shame that he's not with us anymore. I know. We just it was uh, not long ago. Was it the six year anniversary of his death? Yep. Yep. Right. Yeah. So Guns and Roses is back together, man. And and uh, I just saw him at Hershey Park. Have you had a chance to see them? I think I saw him about two years ago. Okay. Yeah, Jay and I saw him when the when the Not in This Lifetime tour first started. We saw him at Lincoln Financial. And then I just saw them again this past summer. First concert out of COVID besides you guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, literally, the only two shows I've seen post-COVID are Loungefly and the Guns N' Roses show at Hershey Park. That's it. Who's better? Quite a combo. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Axel's doesn't have the voice he used to have. So if I'm talking about straight performance, I might right? give it to Loungefly. I, and Guns is my favorite band. So that's a very big compliment, Brian. That's nice. Because <laughs> you know Guns is like it for me. <laughs> Brian, I, I have a question. So tell tell everybody how you got into singing. Oh, I've always like, sung. I think I think it started it. I think it started when I was young. Um, just something I I guess could do and, and did and did the school plays in high school and and then just wound up in bands at all different points in my life. And I think I think like anything, the more you work at it and the more you the more you learn about it and and uh you know, the better you can get. There's really no limit to it. You just have to keep working. That's a, that's a great question because you know why? I was going to ask you that myself. You weren't always a front man. No. Were you? No. You know what? It, it could have been that I never started my own band because I'd always joined some sort of established situation. And, and, and in most circumstances, they were missing something like a bass player or a keyboardist or something. Uh, second guitarist. So I would, I would just kind of fill in and, and, and then sing what they would let me to whatever, you know, as far as I could take it. And that got me kicked out of a couple bands at some point, you know, fighting with the singer over the songs. And, uh, but uh, I guess after a while, it just made the most sense being that everyone involved loved STP and I really enjoy singing it to just do something different. That's awesome. And we have Richard chiming in again, just wants to add to everything you've said. We actually look forward to getting together at rehearsals. We care for each other. So it makes the hard work. Well, not work. We look forward to it. Yeah. There's a lot. So of. I think that's the most important thing for a band. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of love. When you just, <laughs> just call your band members up and you're like, Oh man, I miss you. It's, it's been five days since I've seen you and it's going to be another week until we play again. It's nice, man. It's, it's a very family and uh, a brotherhood. It's actually, yeah, yeah it's a brotherhood. Yeah. Like a fraternity. A, it makes, you, makes you feel comfortable on stage because you know you're there with, with these guys and they're fun. And uh, it's good to see familiar faces. Did you guys get front row tickets again? Are you going to be right up front? Uh, we're not going to be front row this time. I think by the what time happened? I got on there, they weren't available. But I think we're like fifth row. All right. I'll look for you. You, you won't miss us. <laughs> we'll, we'll be the ones cheering the loudest as always uh, yeah. that, i'll make sure i have my blonde hair again <laughs> what are you rocking now 
What do you got going uh, on? Still, I'm still blonde. It's not a, but it's kind of growing out. So I'll make sure I get it done right before the show. Right. Yeah. Sounds good. Have you seen so, Ledbetter's or Best of Food before? We have not. not we have not. Either of them, but I definitely haven't uh, saw either of them. I'm a huge. I'm definitely a huge. Uh, if I were to say which which one I prefer out of Foo Fighters and and Pearl Jam, it's obviously for me it's Pearl Jam. But it's all it's always the early Pearl Jam because I'm not really. For me, Pearl Jam is one of those bands that got so big, but yet I always will go back to their their original material. Like I I don't think they'll ever sound as good as they did on Ten. Like to me, Ten was like one of the best all time. Because obviously Stone Temple Pilots isn't grunge. Pearl Jam is, you know, pretty much grunge. I mean, they they right. pretty much invented it them in Nirvana. And I would say it's probably one of the best, if not top three grunge albums of all time. Um, not that I don't like their other material, but I always, like I said, I can I could crank 10 on 10 from front to back, and it never gets old. Uh Foo Fighters, I'm not. I'm not really a huge Foo Fighters guy. I just, I, I, and it's not that they're not a good band. I just never really got into them. Right. Well, um, I'm going to come in on this. I know Aaron's probably going to have different, because Aaron and if, I different tastes a lot. If I may, if I may, let me come in. Because no, you make a, I think we're 100% in agreement. I think 10 is not only Pearl Jam's best album, it's got to be on the list of all time great albums. And and I hate I hate um, pigeonholing music into terms like obviously the grunge movement happened and it's going to be called grunge I get it but to me the first Pearl Jam album is just a great rock and roll record and we had Richard comment in commenting a minute ago again he likes the first three albums that's about it second is my favorite versus is my second favorite Pearl Jam album I love it but I, at that period of time Pearl Jam had that same kind of vibe. He says grunge is a tough label. Nirvana, AIC, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam. You took it off so quick, Jay. I didn't get to finish it. Uh, they all sound nothing like each other, yet all grunge. Yeah, I, I agree. I hate I hate pigeonholing the music. You know, obviously, Allison Change is the most metallic. But back to what I was saying, the first Pearl the first Pearl Jam album, Ten, is a, is a rock and roll record. I mean, it's 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 one of my all time favorite records. The second record was Pearl Jam at their peak of popularity when it came out. I'll never forget at the MTV Video Music Worlds Awards. Yeah, right. Remember when MTV used to play music? Yeah, that used to happen. For, for the young generation, they may not know that. MTV, the M stands for music. But anyway, I'll never forget when Pearl Jam came out with Neil Young and did Rockin' in the Free World and just the power of the performance. Like, I always, I hearken back to Guns, the power of Appetite when they came out. Pearl Jam, to me, had that same vibe. Certain bands captured that, and Pearl Jam was one of them. Like, even when you look at the Alive video and you see Eddie stage diving and just the energy of it and the way he sang with the anger. Went with the marbles in his mouth. But anyway, it, it was so cool. The record rocked, and they still maintain that into the second record. So that's my second favorite record. But, I mean, the thing with Pearl Jam, to Jay's point, I think they didn't want – Jay said they got so big. It, of course they got so big. They were already big from those two records. But it wasn't so much that they got so big. It was that they didn't want to be big. They wanted to be Pearl Jam. And they didn't want to be pigeonholed into what they sounded like on the first two records. So basically Pearl Jam became like the, the modern-day Grateful Dead. They're like a jam band. You know, they didn't want to make music videos anymore. You know, they, they, they protested against Ticketmaster. 
they're, so I, I, I admit I kind of lost interest long term. I, I wasn't as into them going down the road, but I can't fault them for what they did. But then I get to the Foo Fighters. You said how you always like Pearl Jam more than the Foo Fighters. If we're talking about the early stuff, I'm 100% with you. But, dude, in recent years, Foo Fighters have become one of my favorite bands. If you listen to the Wasting Light album, that's one of my favorite records of all time. And if you listen to the song White Limo, dude, it almost has like death metal vibe to it at parts. You need to hear that whole record, dude. Dave Grohl is a total metalhead, dude. He, I know he came up with Nirvana and he's known as the Nirvana drummer, but dude, he's also the devil in fucking, you know, the pick of destiny, you know, with Jack Black. <laughs> I mean, this guy's a fucking metalhead. What was his other metal project he had? I'm drawing a blank on the name of it. White Limo. There he is. Richard knows what I'm talking about. Dude, you got to listen to this shit, Jay. Foo Fighters aren't just what you think they are on the first record. I mean, and, and truth be told, they have, they're the modern day arena rock band in the sense of like, you watch one of their live shows, they have such hooky choruses. They could play like Giant Stadium or Lincoln Financial Field or this or that. And they have the whole crowd singing the choruses. So that's where I'm going to beg to differ. I, I like Foo Fighters a lot. And you can beg to differ. The point is I didn't in the early days. But to me, they evolved into such a an arena rocking kick-ass fucking band. And, and you're right. You know, I probably should give them more of a chance. And, and I, I'm... I, like I said, I'm not sitting here claiming to say that I listen to all their material. So you're right. And you know me. I, I'm one that will go back and I will. And as a matter of fact, now you just challenged me because now I'm going to go back. My I'm favorite take a deep dive the one I recommend for you to listen to is White Limo. They went back to just, you know, simple, you know, 16 track, you know, nothing fancy, no overdubs and just like went and made a rock record. Probot. Thank you, Richard. We got Richard. I couldn't remember the name of his other project. Probot, dude. That's like a pure fucking death metal, fucking thrash metal project by David Grohl. I mean, Lemmy participated in that, all these metal guys, you know, and so he's, dude, he's a total metalhead. And he's such a, like, um, a multi-instrumentalist. If I have one knock on Dave Grohl, and it's not even something that's his fault, it's that he became, like, the token guy at, like, the Grammys. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, like, the token rock guy. And that's not his fault. That's, like, a fucking indictment of the music industry that they don't recognize rock music. Well, you know, everything on there is mumble rap. All the, all the fucking awards that are televised is garbage. And then the rock and the fucking real music, even if it's classical music, all the real music, the awards are handed out off the air. The only thing well, on the air is like fucking whatever the new mumble rap flavor of the week is, you know, except Dave Grohl. For some reason, Dave Grohl gets, gets to perform on the show. But Well, well how about you? You. Brian, what what are your thoughts? Like, what, where do you fall on? Uh... I'm a big fan of Ten, and a uh, big fan of the Foo Fighters in general. Just about everything they did. Cool. So, but so I you're, think you're more pro. You're more pro Foo Fighters. So I think we're all in agreement as far as Ten being the, you know, that, that whole album that was definitely a phenomenal. Album. You know, with some bands. Uh, and I think you're gonna, I think you're gonna talk about Metallica at some point, right? Some bands. Yeah, there's before we do, I think we just segue. realized something. Everything we yeah. just said shows why this '90s rock fest is a show you must not miss. Oh well, I think, I think the best thing is, no matter which band you like, you're getting a good yeah, hour of each band. Yeah. You know? And and uh, for 25 bucks, you can't beat it. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> it's the it's the best around. You, cannot, you can't beat it. Can't beat it. 
still waiting for answers to that trivia question. We're going to have to yeah. uh, pose it again. Yeah, well, they have time. They don't have to answer during the live. They can come in after. But, um, yeah, but Brian, anyways, you mentioned that we're going to bring up Metallica. It is the 40th anniversary of Metallica, and it's like a big weekend. San Francisco, the San Francisco's mayor has declared it Metallica Day. Uh, maybe I don't know if that was today or yesterday. That but was yesterday, yeah. Yesterday. And uh, they're doing two pop-up shows in San Francisco over the weekend. You know, they're trying to generate support for local businesses, beach cleanup, giving back to the community. So since we're going to talk about it, and it is the 40th anniversary of Metallica, Jay and I were asking each other, what is your favorite Metallica song? Brian, do you have one? Yeah, I would say it's a toss-up, but I it, I don't want to say two and take yours, but I would say Nothing Else Matters It's probably one of my favorites. Cannot That's, go wrong with can't it, Can't go wrong with it. What about you, Jay? Well, well, first, before we get into mine, I, I kind of wanted to do the segue of why I kind of proposed that question. So today, I happen to be listening to Sirius XM. I... I just got a new vehicle. I'm like addicted to Sirius. Like I'm like a little kid in a candy store. I'm going to talk about it on every show because that's all I do is listen to Sirius. Even when I'm not in my car, I listen to it at home on my phone. So anyway, I was listening to Mandatory Metallica because obviously I'm a diehard Metallica guy. Always have been. Um, that's my style is the thrash scene. Um, great, great, great track. And, and we're going to get we're going to get to that. So Sirius what they did was knowing that it was Metallica's 40th anniversary and beings that Metallica is involved with mandatory Metallica, they put out a poll question to all these fans and they got back the most votes that they've ever gotten on any poll question that they've ever done. So the poll question was, you know, they wanted to, they basically generated what's your top Metallica songs and they came up with a top 40 list. So I'm going to give you a rundown of what their top 10 was. And then I want, and, and that's why I came up with what is your favorite track? Because obviously everyone has their own favorite, but the, the, the top 10 rundown was basically coming in at number 10 was wherever I may roam. Absolutely awesome. This was song. chosen by the fans, you said. Yes, right? this was chosen by the fans. Now, track, I mean, pick nine, uh, top, you know, ninth pick was actually a little bit surprising because I thought this song was going to fall higher on the list considering it's one of their most played. But I think the fans got it right because I, although I do think it's an awesome song, I don't think it's their best. And that's Enter Sandman. That came Sick in at number of it. nine. Sick of it. Uh, coming in at number eight was Battery, which is absolutely awesome song. I mean, that song never gets old to me. Obviously, Master of Puppets to me is, you know, the Magnus Opie for for the band. That's my, I mean, personal favorite album, uh, if I had to pick one. Obviously, it's close between that and Ride the Lightning, but I always go to that. Um, coming in at seven, one of my top, one of my favorites, Blackened, off Justice for All album. Obviously, it's the, it's the introductory song on that record, and the song is brutal, man. Can't go wrong with Blackened. Can't go wrong. I, I think it's an awesome list, by the way. Number six, Seek and Destroy. <laughs> I mean, talk about a song they, they still play to this day. It shows. Freaking love it. Number five, Richard already hit on it. Creeping Death. There he is. <laughs> Number four was Fade to Black. 
Number three was for whom the bell tolls. Okay. Which is not not surprising. I, I know it's up there as one of the favorites. I'm not surprised. Um, and why am I drawing a blank? I, I guess I didn't write down the second one. Oh God, you're killing us, Jay. You just went through the fucking first. The eight? second. Hey, this is five. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well, I lost my spot. I'm sorry. So <laughs> the number one Metallica song of all time, as voted on by the fans, Master of Puppets. Okay, what was number two then? You skipped. Did you say, did you say nothing else matters? Nothing else matters. He did not, and my pick he didn't. So let's see what was, what was, number uh, what was two? your pick. It has to that has to be the number two, right? What is it? I think it has to be number two. I can't find it. Well, my pick. I'm gonna have to hear it. favorite Metallica song. And don't get me wrong, nothing else matters is right there, bro. Because I'm with you. I'm. I don't. It doesn't have to be brutally heavy for me to love it. Like I, nothing else matters lyrically, musically, emotionally, amazing. But my number one is Sanitarium. Yeah, it's it's a similar type of song in the in the pacing, but I, I it's a, it's a little more classic Metallica sound, um, and, and I also love the lyrics to it. I love the lyrics. Um, Richard had mentioned Creeping Death. That would definitely be near my top. Um, I love the riff. I love the verse, the way the vocals are sung. But also, and again, it's another song where I love the lyrics. Aaron just you know, nailed it's, it. It's biblical. Was it number two, Sanitarium? Yeah. That's my favorite. But Creeping Death, I mean, for me, lyrically, I mean, the lyrics are taken straight from the Bible about, you know, the Pharaoh with the plague and, and the, on the Egyptians in Egypt and, you know, Moses leading the Jews, the Jews out of Egypt. And it's just, it's it's lyrically an amazing fucking song. It really is. I mean, that's on my list. For me, I'm going to tell you two songs that wouldn't be in my top 10 that were in that top 10. For Whom the Bell Tolls, I know it's like one of the most popular songs. I'm not surprised to see it there. But to me, it just honestly, when I was younger, I loved it, but I'm bored with that song now. If I never heard For Whom the Bell Tolls again, I'd be fine. I mean, I, I, outside of the opening riff, I could do without it. And then the whole outro when it goes dun, 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 for two and a half minutes, boring, done with it. And Enter Sandman, if I never hear it again, I'll be fine. I get it. It's a great song, but it's just like in hindsight, it's so fucking played out. If I was going to pick a song from the Black Album, I'd pick Brian's pick, Nothing Else Matters. And I I, I know it doesn't make the list, but I'd pick My Friend of Misery. Never gets enough credit, that song. I love the opening bass line, Jason, Jason Newstead's shining moment. And I love the fucking lyrics. You just, dude, anybody that's got an X can relate to these lyrics. You just stood there screaming. Fearing no one was listening to you. They say the empty can rattles the most. The sound of your own voice must soothe you. Any fucking person that's driving you fucking nuts, those lyrics, man. The sound of your own voice must soothe you. They say the empty can rattles most. My friend of misery. Great fucking tune. Great tune. So I, I honestly, Sanitarium, my friend of misery, right there. Nothing else matters. I mean, that's where I'm at. What do you got, Jay? What is your pick? All right, well, I'm probably going to surprise you because my pick didn't fall in the top 10. But I, before I get to my top pick, I want to say some of my favorites besides, you know, that didn't obviously make my top, but that would be there instead of those songs because I agree, Enter Sandman to me is, is just played out. Not that it's a bad song, but it definitely doesn't belong in a top 10, in my opinion, as far as 
because Metallica's, you know, obviously got a large, you know, catalog. catalog. They're, yeah. they're, 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 you know, they're, the amount of songs are infinite compared to a lot of other bands. I mean, they have, and they have, don't forget, Metallica has other albums that weren't like necessarily studio albums, like obviously Garage, Garage Days, and then Garage Revisited, and then Garage Inc. Which well, Garage Inc. was a studio album, but yeah. But yes, I get your point. Yeah. But they that had song- material to choose. So they have a ton of other songs that, you know, might not be kind of recognized by, you know, diehard fans, but people that know, you know, Metallica that might know. So, I, if I had to give you my Outlaw Torn. Richard chiming in. I love that song. I love Bleeding Me while we're at it. Outlaw Torn, not to interrupt you, Jay, since he brought it up. they act, That actually had another five minutes to the track that cut off to fit onto the CD. Like, it's ten minutes on the album, but actually it was a 15-minute song. I love that I mean, that that's track. an awesome – it's definitely that's a sleeper. Song. Go on, Jay. I didn't mean to cut you off. You're not cutting me off. But, Go so, on. obviously – for some reason, even though my favorite Metallica record is Master of Puppets, the first Metallica album that I ever heard was Injustice for All. And it was in Sean's uh, backyard, Sean Smith. Our friend Sean. Record. The audience doesn't know who Sean is. Well, okay. I'm just, but I'm just telling a story. Thanks for you know, helping me out there. Reminding you. Reminding me that the audience doesn't know Sean. Like, who the hell is Sean? Anyway, the first Metallica album that I ever owned was Injustice for All. So for some reason, that always falls near and dear to my heart. And I I love every song on that album. The track that obviously basically made Metallica like go from being like more of like an underground type band. Bingo, one. I mean, first of all. How about that video? Insane. You know, you just hit something. Was one not in that fan voted top ten? I think one was two. I think that one. Was you seven. said I had Sanitarium right. I think Sanitarium was was uh, I think 11. you did. I think you. What was one? I think you fudged that number two, Jay. I think I think Sanitarium <laughs> was eleven. I forgot about one, so that's. Yeah, yeah. It had. To I be know that. that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. But how'd you forget about your own pick? It wasn't my own pick. Because that's not my favorite song in the album. Oh, I was, okay. I'm saying that's one of my favorites. Got it. I misunderstood you. Okay. Because not just because it was my first album, but because it was the video, everything about that that track. I mean, just watching the video, like, doesn't that give you chills when you oh, see absolutely. the guy like the, the war zone and, and they show the guy in bed and, and he's like, yo, wondering if he wants to be alive anymore. I mean, that that to me is like the epitome of Metallica. Like just, just when I heard that, it was like, oh, my God, this song is just like on another level. And then yeah. when you get to the solo, the solo is absolutely ridiculous. Like, it might have been Kirk Hammett's best solo. I mean, the just the intensity of it and the length. I mean, it's just nonstop. Like, and he goes off. Like, he just goes on a tangent. So that, to me, that track. But I love Blacken. But if I want to give you my personal favorite Metallica song, and I know you're going to be surprised, but it's my favorite song by them. And it's a little bit heavier, and it's Shortest Straw. Yeah, I know you've always loved that show. Yeah, Shortest Straw to me is the best Metallica song ever, in my opinion. Just because of 
the ferocity of the song. Like it just starts off like and then it just fucking yo know, goes off. And, and you know, the riff is just insane. Um everything about that song is what got me into Metallica and and why I became a thrash fan. So that's my favorite Metallica song. You know sure what's cool well. about that? You remember um about 10 years ago, whatever it was, we went to see Metallica's Orion Festival in Atlantic City, and they actually played, played the entire Black Album in reverse order. But do you remember they actually played Shortest Straw on that show? Yeah, and I remember one of the, the punks. Yeah, because, and it was one of the first times they played yeah, it they, live. Like, I was going to say, what are the chances that they'd even play that They song? never, even back when the album came out, they didn't play, it's a known fact, they didn't play Shortest Straw a lot. Like, But to me, like I said, it, it's, it's one of those sleeper tracks that just doesn't ever get the credit and, and i know it's not your personal favorite but i know you love it no, it's an excellent track love it's, it, it's yeah. definitely like why i got into thrash <laughs> awesome yep we we had richard on here so anyway jay let's get to it it's the season finale of sports and metal normally this is the time we do the picks of the week but because it's the season finale and it's the end of the year it's the holiday season we're going to pick a favorite Christmas movie. We're going to mix it up. Now, who is going to volunteer here to go first? Me, Jay, or Brian? I want you to go first this time. Or you want me to go because I, I want you to go. I want you to go. Since I went last with <laughs> the Metallica. You guys want me to go first? So you, guys no, go first. You, you go first. You go yeah. first, Brian. Are you sure? I'm sure. Right. My favorite's Elf. Dude, I'm right there. That's awesome. Yeah. I love Will Ferrell. It's a great movie. Dude, you can't go wrong with Elf. What do you got, Jay? All right. Well, I know mine's kind of like a cliche, probably, because a lot of people probably pick it, but it's just my favorite Christmas movie, and that's Home Alone. Excellent choice. I, I love it. I just love Home Alone. Like, I remember the first time I saw it, and it was just like, just, you know, the kid, you know, and then, you know, the people are trying to break into the hat. It's just a great movie, and uh, it never gets old for me. So, Jay, can you give everyone a little Christmas present and reenact the scene where he's in the bathroom and, he, and he's putting on uh, oh, yeah. oh, the aftershave? Yeah. Give it to him, Jay. Come on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. All right. So I'm going to come in. If I had to pick a traditional type Christmas movie, I'd have to go with Elf. I'd be with Brian. And I love Will Ferrell, so right off the bat. But I'm going to get a little non-traditional. Although it's been considered a Christmas movie. Richard's chiming in again, Christmas Vacation. See, I never loved Christmas Vacation. And I love the vacation movies. I prefer Vacation and European, European Vacation. Um, never was a huge Christmas Vacation guy. But you know what I'm going to pick? Fucking Die Hard or Gremlins. <laughs> Die Hard is, and a lot of people continue to try to argue that it's not a Christmas movie, but it is. It's a, or Gre or Gremlins. Gremlins is too. I, yeah, I, I didn't even think of Gremlins. It's yeah. funny you say that. Yeah, it's a Christmas movie. Remember, they got the Mogwai. He got the dad got the Mogwai for the Christmas gift. The whole thing's set in yeah, snow, please. Christmas decorations, and that's, they get good, that's good picks. I like them. It's yeah, kind of all mix all, it up all, a little bit. Mix it up a little bit. I like That's, it a lot. And, and Richard's coming in with a Christmas story, which is totally, totally on anybody's list. Well, can I be a nerd? Well, not a nerd, but can I just kind of be a – can I have a second one yeah. if I could? So 
if I was going to say my actual Christmas movie, I'm going to have to go Re Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer because I still, to this day, enjoy when it's on Channel 6. Yeah, on, I mean, certain things Christmas are just like a Christmas, Christmas tradition. Yeah. It, but I love it. it. Like I said, it's just because I remember watching it as a little kid. Tell me you did not get scared of the Abominable Snowman. <laughs> Tell me you did not get scared of the abominable yeah. snowman. I don't know if I did, but I did. I was freaked out, man. <laughs> that sucker freaked me out. <laughs> scared the shit out of me. That's funny. No, everybody loves Rudolph. Anyway, dude, listen, before we wrap the show off, Brian, let's ask this trivia question one more time so we could get people coming up with an answer here. Why don't you ask it again? The trivia sure. question, you're going to win tickets to the 90s Rock Fest. Featuring Loungefly, Best of Fu Best of Foo, a premier Foo Fighters tribute band, and Leadbetter is a premier Pearl Jam tribute band, along with Loungefly, the premier Stone Temple Pilots tribute band, at the Landis Theater in Vineland, New Jersey, January 7th. You're going to win tickets if you can answer this question. Brian, what's the question? And three free t-shirts. Uh, oh, is, I keep forgetting. And don't worry, I'll remind you. I got you. Yep, three free t-shirts, one from each band. Ask yep. the question again. What the is it? The question is name three STP songs that the lyrics do not include the title of the song. Okay. And for those of you that don't win tickets, you got to get tickets. $25. You're not going to find a better deal. It's Christmas. Buy them for a Christmas gift even. This is the premiere show to see right now. January 7th, you're going to go to thelandistheater.com. Jay, if you could put that up again thelandistheater.com the tickets are $25 it's 90s rock fest you're not going to want to miss it anyway it's the season finale of sports and metal we're always happy to have a great friend of the show Brian Rosner from Loungefly oh, anytime man Loungefly is a huge friend of sports and metal we're always honored to have any of you guys on the show we're so pumped for the show on January 7th um Jay, I love you to death. You're my brother in crime. You're my brother, my partner in crime. We're looking forward to 2022. It's going to be a bigger and better year. Anything you wanted to add, Brian? Yeah, just Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And um, Jay, what about you? Well, no, I just want to thank everybody for all your support. And, uh, we, you know, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for you guys. We appreciate all that you guys, you know, all the sharing and you know, likes of our, our pages and, and, and make sure you check out our website. We are going to be, as Aaron said, expanding. We're going to, we're, we're going to be bigger and better in 2022. We're going to have more articles and we're working on uh, getting some, uh, you know, some merchandise, some shirts and stuff and some other stuff and some other surprises. So um, looking forward to it. And uh, you know, obviously this is the Christmas season. Uh, we, we just want to wish all, you and all your, families and everybody you know a merry christmas and a happy new year and uh we'll be back in 2022 absolutely guys as always stay safe have a healthy and happy happy and healthy holiday and rock on peace out and that's our show tune in next time for more sports and metal with jason Voorhees and aaron savage Ooh, yeah. Got something to say? Hit us up at sportsandmetal0423 at yahoo.com or on Twitter at sportsandmetal.